<laughs> this week, I sent out an email inviting our congregation to fill an online commitment card. Commitment Sunday is totally different. It's not bringing your cards forward. And the title of the email was, Do You Have 60 Seconds? And so I get this call. What do you need, Pastor? I said, what do you mean, what do I need? Well, you said, do you, you have 60 seconds. I'm calling. And I was confused. And I'm thinking, no, I didn't send you an email. And, and they said, yes, you did. You just sent me an email that said, do you have 60 seconds? So finally, we just said, okay. Five minutes later, I get another call. By now, I figured it out. <laughs> I get three calls, and then I started getting emails. Sure, I've got 60 seconds. Give me a call. Does our congregation read their emails? <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> the story's told about a pastor who had a problem with sweets. Pies, cookies, ice cream. I'm not talking about myself, so don't laugh, okay? And especially jelly donuts. Well, consequently, because of his weight problem, as a result of the sweets, he had a heart attack. And he was forced onto a very restrictive diet, not including sweets. The staff and the church helped him out by making sweets less available around the church. He got healthier. He actually lost a few pounds. And then about six weeks after he began this diet, he comes into the church with this box of jelly donuts. And the staff said, well, what's going on, Pastor? He said, well, he says, on my route to the church, they just opened a donut shop. And I just couldn't resist. So they talked for a while, and they said, well, Pastor, you've got to change your route if it's too much of a temptation. So he changed his route, and he got better. Then about three weeks later, he comes in with another box of jelly donuts. And the staff member said, Pastor, what are you doing? He said, well, I forgot. I went my regular route. And when I saw the donut shop, I prayed, God, if it is your will that I stop at this donut shop, you will open a parking space right in front. And he said, it opened up. It was God's will. A staff member laughingly said, Jim, how many times did you have to drive around the parking lot? <laughs> Embarrassed the pastor, turning red, couldn't lie. Well, at least five, maybe ten times. <laughs> I circled before a parking space opened. Change is hard. Change is hard for us, and when we commit ourselves to Jesus Christ through faith, there is a change that is required. And this morning, we're looking at a passage that addresses the demands of that change, the call to a committed life as a developing disciple of Jesus Christ. But God is offering us power in this committed life. God is offering us meaning 
in these changes. God is offering us something that the rest of the world can never have if we but just surrender. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words. And for by grace, Lord, I do not speak a word. May you fill in the gaps that through our hearts and through our souls we would hear your word proclaimed this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to start out by comparing uh, verse 8 from James and Ephesians chapter 2, 8. Because it seems as if James and Paul contradict each other. James says, faith without works is dead. Paul says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not any of your own doing but a gift from God. So who is right? Well, let's take a look at the biblical witness. From the beginning, we're reminded of our human need. Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Hebrew word living being is best translated as a bundle of appetites. Anybody relate to that? A bundle of appetites. The Hebrew word paints a picture of a a nest full of birds with their mouths open, waiting to be fed by mama. Feed me. Feed me. The problem is many of us never get out of the nest. We continue to stay in the nest with our mouths open, waiting to be fed. And we are stuck, underdeveloped, stunted, not growing. Now, our faith, our our relationship with God is based on faith in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. By faith, God bridges the separation of our sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus. By faith, we open ourselves so that God may fill the hole, the hunger, the longing of our soul. But for many, there is a huge chasm between faith, acceptance of Christ, and action, living as a disciple. James goes so far to say, faith without works is dead. Now, we immediately say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does Paul say? Isn't this works righteousness? Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not any of your own doing, but a gift from God. What is this? Faith apart from works is dead. When we examine the Scriptures and the full scope of Scriptures, we see that both Paul and James are right. They are speaking to different aspects of the Christian life. Paul is talking about the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. James is speaking to the behavior and practices of the saved Christian. In in fact, if we look at the whole letter of James, we can see that James is speaking to behavior that is contrary to the Christian 
follower. These new Christians were proclaiming faith, but continuing to go to the donut shop. James makes the point that when we proclaim faith, there is a change of action that follows. When we examine the writings of Paul, we see similar passages. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus says, and this is just one example in Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. As an example, on the night that Jesus was betrayed at the, good, at the Lord's Supper, what does Jesus do? He takes a towel and a basin of water and he washes his disciples' feet and he says to them, as I have done for you, so now do for others. So what is James getting at here? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. That's troubling for most of us, if not all of us. Uh, let's look at it. James is not questioning the salvation of the believer. He's challenging us to live up to the new life in Christ. And the key to understanding this is the word that's translated um, uh, uh, dead, nikra, literally the word means that which lacks life. But in this particular case, it's used figuratively. And when it's used figuratively, it means not able to respond to impulses or perform functions are more simply ineffective and powerless. In other words, faith without works is unresponsive to the life-giving influences and opportunities of God. Did, did you hear that? Faith without works cuts us off from what God is trying to do through us. We cut ourselves off. James is, is opening a door and saying, <laughs> come on, can't you see what you're missing? What is there before you? He goes further in verse 20. He says, do you want, see, do you want to be shown, you senseless person? Well, I hope he didn't talk to me like that, but that faith apart from works is barren. James here is adding an exclamation point to faith, faith without works is dead. Uh, because the Greek word argos, translated barren, more literally means idle, lazy, thoughtless are without no benefit. That's a pretty hard word to hear, isn't it? The intent of James' letter in this passage is not to question our salvation. Our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. 
but it is to remind us that there is a power to following Jesus. There is a power to being a disciple of Jesus. There are blessings and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a fullness that comes as we live for Christ. It is to remind us that we are more than just this human body. And as we become more and more like Jesus, the power of God through Jesus Christ is ours to claim. The problem is that in our culture, we are surrounded by temptations and we want to return to the donut shop. We sacrifice our power in, <clears throat> in slow ways, like a bundle of paper cuts that ultimately become a mortal wound to our soul. Commitment is a lifelong journey of growth and development. Sometimes we take several steps forward and, and we experience the glory of, 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 that, of that unity with God and that fullness. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back or, or, or two steps back and, and then we struggle forward. This is why the church is so important in our Christian growth. This is the body where we find support, encouragement, and a grounding for our souls. And, and, and let me be clear, clear here. I, I don't think James is trying to make us into super Christians overnight. It's a process. It's a growth. It's step by step. And more importantly, it is about the condition of our heart. Our willingness to surrender to God's direction to grow and serve. Now, let me just, I want to talk about this church for a minute. In, in this church, I've heard these words, gather, grow, go. Have you all heard those words? Let's say them together. Gather, grow, go. Gather is where we find our assignment in worship, prayer, and the Word. When we gather, we experience the movement of the Holy Spirit that gives us direction. It sends us out, especially when we're struggling. It is our place to find support. Grow is where we find a more uh, a, a, a basis of accountability. We join with other Christians in studying in prayer. It is our classes on Sunday morning. It is our core groups that we'll meet during the week. It is, it is uh, emotionally healthy spirituality that has brought in new folks to understand more deeply uh, a prayer life and a, a commitment to Christ. It is our Bible studies to grow. And then to grow is to serve. To see our identity as servants. And now, just like other organizations, we depend on volunteers to do our ministries. There's not one ministry in this church that is not dependent upon volunteers to, to get its work done. But not only do we volunteer our time and our resources like any other organization, 
to make sure that our church achieves its mission. As Christians, we give our hearts. Did you hear that? We give our hearts. The call is to servanthood, not just to a job. It is who we are. And it goes beyond this place to our families, to our workplace, to our neighborhoods, to our church. And here's what I believe. I don't believe that God measures the size of the job or the number of hours. God measures the heart and the sacrifice. That's where the, that's where the measure is. It is about our hearts. And, and as we surrender to God... God provides and multiplies our time and our talents in, in, in order to, to do even more. I've heard so many people say, well, I don't have time or I don't have this. And I respect that. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's oftentimes a journey of up and downs and opportunities. And, and yet, when we take that risk of surrender... God has a way of multiplying our ability to give, our ability to serve, our ability to, uh, to, uh, to, to be the body of Christ. When we're willing to give it all up for God, that's when God blesses us the most. Now, what I've learned about this church, First Methodist Carrollton, is that this is a high-commitment church. And I, I see the culture of high commitment growing. We did an inventory in the staff a couple of weeks ago and found out that there, did you know there's almost 400 jobs? 400, almost 400 places for people to volunteer. Did you know that? Does that surprise anybody? Over 225 people fill those positions. More people that are here in this place today. And my guess is, is most of you in here probably fill one of those spots. Over 25 serve in four or more places. This last fall, our participation in our core groups and midweek studies went up 50%. Now, it's a little easier online. I understand that to participate. But that's an indication of high commitment. When we went through our prayer effort, and, and I, I made the call for people to, to pray over the, to walk and pray over their neighborhoods and to pray around the schools, and I, I, I asked that would there be those who'd be willing to come up and, and pray daily for our church? We have people, more than one person, sometimes several, that come up every day to pray for our church. We have several neighborhoods that our members are walking. This is a high-commitment church. And I invite you to join us to see what God can do, to see how God can use us. Cindy mentioned Brandon during the prayer time. Several months ago when Brandon was able to come to church and, and sit right over there, and come in on his walker, 
we had lunch together and he was worried. He said, Pastor, I can't do anything. He said, I just feel useless. I, I want to help the church. I want to I do things for the church. You know what I said to him? I said, Brandon, every time you show up and sit in that chair over there, you inspire everyone that is here. Amen. You inspire everyone that is here. Your service is not measured by the hours. It's not measured by the job that you fill. It's measured by the heart. It's measured by the surrender. It's measured by the commitment. Am I in this 24-7 or just when it's convenient? Hope I didn't step on any toes there. And Jesus illustrates this in Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Jesus is sitting in the courtyard, and, and he's probably teaching. And evidently, it was the time where the Jews were coming in to make their, make their offerings. And they had an interesting tradition. Um, it wasn't exactly a private, confidential giving process. What they had is they had these metal, brass uh, fixtures that would hang on the walls, okay, and when people came in, they would drop their offerings in these metal containers. Well, money was coinage, and so the more you gave, the bigger the sound, right? And so, you know, people came to watch, you know, who are the really big givers, and the ones who were the big ones got the places of uh, privilege, probably not only in the temple, but also in the community. The tradition also is, is that for those who were poor and who gave very little, they would wait until the temple was almost empty. They would wait until the late hours to make their offerings so as not to be embarrassed so that people wouldn't talk about them. On this day, for some reason, a widow, a poor widow comes at the highest hour. Jesus is teaching. And I can only imagine in my head that as she walks in, the crowd got quiet. They said, what is she doing here? Why would she come now? You know, people are going to, they're going to see how little that she gives. And so she takes two coins and drops them in. I can only imagine the very slight noise that it made. Jesus spoke into the silence. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. Surrender. Sacrifice. The heart. James is talking about the willingness to surrender. 
the willingness to surrender. You know, in my, in my own life, um, I've, I've seen ups and downs. You know, I've, I've seen times where I've really struggled. Um, and, and it's not that I <clears throat> haven't been committed to my career, but instead of a service and ministry, it was a career. And those have been the times when I have struggled the most. But when I have seen what I do as a pastor as a surrender, that's when I see God's blessing. You know, those of us who stand up here and, 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 and preach and lead, I mean, I encourage you not to follow me, but to follow the one, this one, because we all struggle. And the great thing about the church is that the church accepts us where we are, as we are, at the place we are. But as your pastor, I'm going to push you. Because I truly believe that as we grow, develop, surrender, and, and, and give, so God empowers us. So God multiplies us. So God enriches us. And so I would be derelict if I didn't. This is Commitment Sunday. And you've received some emails. There's cards on the generosity boxes. You know, for me, who's kind of an old-time traditionalist of wanting people to come forward and to, to make their commitments, um, this is kind of strange. But hear this invitation that all of you would respond. And, and really, it's more, even more private in this way than it would be if you were coming forward to drop some envelope in front of everyone else in the basket. That all of you would respond in some way. Not uh, to be the best, but to be where your heart leads you. A call to surrender, a call to service, a call to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to pray a prayer. <clears throat> I know 37 of you have already responded, and I hope by the end of the day that another 100 plus will have responded to our commitment time. I really challenge you to, and even those online, it only takes about we said 60 seconds. It only takes about 20 seconds. And if you're here, you can pick up one of the cards. It looks like this and fill it out in less than 10. I want to challenge you. And as we do, I want to pray a prayer over those commitments this morning. Let us pray. Lord God, there's sometimes when we don't think we have much to give. There's sometimes when we don't think we have much to offer to you in service. But Lord, we have our hearts. And so, oh God, we offer you our hearts. 
And we lay before you all that we are and all that we have. And we ask your blessing. May you lead us by your Holy Spirit, O God, to those places of service, to those places of opportunity. May you place within our hearts a desire and that you may bless that desire with the gift of the Holy Spirit. May you lay within our hearts a gift and a desire to give. And may, the, may in giving financially, we know the abundance and the multiplication of what you are doing through us. Lord, we offer this church as a high commitment church. But Lord, we know that we are not done yet. And so, oh God, move, guide, direct, bless, inspire. In the name of Jesus Christ, make us all that we can be. And we, oh Lord, will give you all the praise and all the glory. For we know it's not about us, but it's about what you are doing through us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.